This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, as of July 1st, if you live in Illinois, you can now apply for a rebate of up to $4,000 to buy a new or used electric vehicle or motorcycle. Yes, you can get a rebate of 4000 bucks. So if high gas prices or just a desire to help fight climate change have you interested in purchasing an EV, well, now is the time. But there's a lot to consider, like what kind of EV you want and, and where you're going to charge it. If you live in a house with a garage, then that's pretty straightforward. But if you park on the street or in a parking spot at a condo or apartment building, it's a little more complicated. So here to tell us more is Neda Delemi, electric vehicle advocate and participant in EV Owners Club. Welcome, Neda. Thank you. And with us is Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. She's also the director of Loyola University Chicago's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Sustainability. Hey, Karen. Hey, Sasha. So remind listeners, Karen, how electric vehicles help us fight climate change. Do they really make that much of a difference? The electric vehicle, electric vehicles are a big piece of the story as we look at where we're going to go in terms of addressing climate change. And the starter is that actually transportation is the single largest source of emissions in the U.S. It actually overtook power production. So we're talking about a big target. It's 29% of emissions. And that's all of transportation. And the biggest piece within that is actually passenger vehicles. So that's the stuff that we drive when we're driving around. So, yeah, it's a huge opportunity um, to put it also into the global scene, the International Energy Agency was looking at how we globally work to stay below 1.5 degrees of temperature increase. Mm-hmm. And they say you've got to stop selling electric vehicles globally by 2030. You've got to stop selling combustion vehicles globally by 2035. So EVs are that piece right now. Well, the Supreme Court recently ruled to uh, limit the EPA's ability to regulate emissions from power plants. Why are efforts on the state level then, like this rebate program, for instance, why are they now more important than ever, Karen? Yeah, the recent Supreme Court ruling does change the potential future if you look at federal carbon policy. But interestingly, we've never really had federal carbon policy. So the states are now even more important looking ahead. And so something like this rebate that we're talking about, that actually came from state legislation. That's from the Climate and Equitable Jobs Act. And that's not impacted by what the federal EPA is working on. So this is the clear example of we haven't had federal carbon policy. States and cities matter a lot, and they're going to really matter going forward. So things like this are practical, tangible, and they can have impact right now. So sticking with you here, Karen, let's get into that rebate program. What are the specifics? So this rebate program is live. It just went live about a week ago, July 1st, and it applies throughout Illinois. And specifically, it is, as you mentioned, it's $4,000 off of a new or used EV. And so that really helps reduce that upfront cost barrier, Mm -hmm. uh, which is often a key consideration. And there's also a $1,500 rebate for motorcycles. Now, there's an amount of funding that the state has right now that's about $18 million. And so it will work through, they will work through that money. But you can go to the website now. You can apply now for the next 90 days. Uh, the dollars will be directly for you to reduce that upfront cost because once you have an EV, the operating costs are actually lower than an internal combustion engine. But that upfront cost is what this is trying to address. Right. And this applies just to personal electric vehicles or, or motorcycles, not truck fleets, for instance. You're absolutely right. This is for for the regular listener, for those of us as you're thinking about your daily life. If you do use a private vehicle, this is exactly what it is for. Yeah. Neda, let's bring you in here because you were part of writing this program. Why was it important to include used vehicles in there? 
Yeah, so Illinois actually had a EV rebate program until 2015 when our budget and pass caused Governor Ronner to suspend it. Um, we know that the upfront cost of the vehicle is one of the biggest reasons that um, EVs have been thought to be more expensive than gas cars. As Karen mentioned, the total cost of ownership is lower. But it was really important to us to um, advance equity within um, addressing climate change. So we know that we wanted to help low-income households as well. So used vehicles um, predominantly have been more affordable within the EV market. So including used cars was really important um, in the policy discussion to lower the the cost of EVs as well. And so... uh... The program was originally meant to help low-income folks buy EVs. Now any Illinois resident can apply. Do you have measures in place to ensure that low-income residents will still benefit here? Yeah, the Illinois EPA has um, said that they would prioritize low-income applicants. You are part of the EV Owners Club as well, Netta. Talk to us more about that group and the kinds of events that you run. Yeah, we're a group of volunteer EV owners. We do community education outreach. Um, we just love our car so much. We want to talk to the public about it. We also talk <laughs> about benefits. Um, but we also are kind of like as the early adopters, um, given that less than 1% of Illinois um, vehicle owners are electric vehicle owners. We try to use our experiences to advocate for policies like the rebates, um, knowing that Things like upfront costs, charging infrastructure, things like that are important to advocate for policies that make EVs more accessible, more convenient for everyone and not just us early adopters. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is is so important is I still feel like a lot of people don't know much about electric vehicles. I was at a dealership about a month ago and, you know, doing my own transaction, but kind of eavesdropping on on an EV conversation going on nearby. And the salesperson was just, I don't know what... at one point, I felt like he was making things up to this this poor customer. Um, why do you think grassroots groups like yours are key to just getting this information out? Yeah, I think people see their, themselves in our stories uh, when we talk to them, when we do community outreach. We're not trying to sell anything to anyone. Um, and I think dealers mean well for the most part, but uh, they also don't have the profit motives as much because if you don't have maintenance, you know, they sell the car and we never see them like that. Um, right. I myself bought my first EV um, at a dealer, but I came in fully prepared, fully informed. I knew more than the guy sat it to me. Um, so it's easy to come up to someone like me and say, um, I'm also a renter and I'm also someone who parks on the street um, and have a real conversation with me and say, well, what do I actually do here? Is this someone that I can, um, I, I can have an easy? Is this something I can realistically do and get a real no BS answer? Yeah. Let's talk about charging. There are three kinds of charging stations, right? What are they? Um, well, there's three levels, we call them. Level one is kind of the... Um, DIY version that a lot of us do who live in apartments, um, we call it trickle charging. It's using a regular outlet. Um, you think of the uh, outlet you can plug your phone into. Um, and that's something that is really slow. We use it overnight. If you drive less than 50 miles a day, you're going to replenish everything that you drive in a day. Um, that's something that I used when I was um, renting a parking spot mm-hmm. in an apartment I was living in. Most uh, level two chargers are like the most standard public chargers that you're going to find that gets you about 25 miles an hour. Most of those are free, which people don't know. It blows their mind. But those are free chargers. You'll find them in grocery stores, shopping malls, movies. Um, 
And then the fast chargers, super fast chargers, are um, you'll get a, about a full charge in about 30 minutes. Those do cost money, but it's about 10 to $15 for a full charger, which is still several times cheaper than gas, even in normal times, much less $6 a, for a gallon. Although, I don't know, I've never paid for gas, sorry. Um, but Yeah, I paid six nineteen this morning, Netta. Six nineteen. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, those, are, those are the public chargers available um, that everyone has access to, but people who do not have garages and driveways um, have to rely on. You mentioned a moment ago about uh, having, uh, you were renting a parking space at your, your apartment. Talk to us about that process, because you, you had to get the building that you lived at to uh, be on board with you charging your electric vehicle there. So what happened? How'd you do it? Yeah, so, I mean, I was already, uh, as I mentioned, kind of like an expert in this field. I felt like I had to get a physics degree to explain to my building manager the, the yeah. technicals of this, um, what a kilowatt hour is and how much electricity is. Um, he was concerned that the building would blow up and that it would cost a thousand dollars a month in electricity. Um, but you know, it wouldn't. It's about kind of like plugging in a toaster overnight. Um, I explained to him how big the battery in my car was um, and how much I drove for a month. It would be about six to ten dollars a month in electricity is something that I was using. Um, but it took several conversations and, and discussions with him before he was persuaded. And I felt like this was something of an issue if I was someone that was already so well informed. I was an attorney, I was in fluent English, and if it was so difficult for me, I was concerned about everyone else having access to charging at home. Yeah. It shouldn't be so difficult. Yeah, they can possibly get overcharged, right, by, by the landlord or the condo association. Yeah, a lot of people will probably be taken advantage of. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about a program that's now in effect. It's live. It's going to give Illinois residents a $4,000 rebate for purchasing a new or used electric vehicle. But there can be some confusion about making the switch over to EVs and questions about how and where to charge it. So we are learning more from Netta DeLemi and Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert. Um, Netta, what about if you don't have a garage or you don't have a parking spot at your building or you, and you actually just park on a side street? Do you have options? Well, the options are to rely on public charging, um, and that's where the um, things like PlugShare, which is a app that is a uh, public database of these public chargers that you can find, um, find them in your neighborhood um, and see where they are, how much they cost. And something that you could do before you even look at buying a car is see where they are in your neighborhood before you think about buying one. How do you suggest um, people go about talking with their landlords or their condo associations? Do you have any resources perhaps that you can recommend or uh, i think the best resource honestly is talking to existing ev owners there's an ev owner registered in every zip code of chicago so chances are you have a neighbor oh. that has an ev um, we are at a lot of sustainability fests and drive right and drive events and as i said like we have the best stories to share you're out there um, that's awesome informed. yeah we're here how are other cities doing this especially the, the what we just talked about you know the the need for the uh, the public charging right when you're when you've got to park on the side streets for instance yeah other cities have um they own their public right of way um so they have they don't have meters owned by private companies um so they have streetlight charging they have charging in their streetlights they have they install them just on the side of the street um and it's kind of provided as an amenity to the public karen remind us where in this city there are high rates of air pollution and who's affected by it 
Sure. And this is one of the you know, obviously really important parts about electric vehicles. It's what's coming out of the vehicle. It's carbon, but it's also air pollution. Yeah. And overall, the city of Chicago has some challenges in air pollution. It's much, much better than it was years ago from that is the Federal Clean Air Act. But the city of Chicago actually looked specifically, and they did a, a report just a couple of years ago. It was the Air Quality and Health Report. And uh, they found that air pollution, as they say, disproportionately burdens neighborhoods on the south and west sides. Um, so this is compounding challenges of inequality and structural situations that we've had for a while. But they called out specifically neighborhoods that have been bisected by major highways, uh, but that also have high concentrations, high concentrations of industry. So you do have varying levels of air pollution throughout the city. And so what's coming out of the vehicles driving through those neighborhoods adds to an existing burden or, if we can make them cleaner, can help address an existing burden. Netta, what is the Right to Charge initiative? Yeah, right to charge is this idea that if you're a renter or a condo owner, um, you shouldn't have to have the argument that I had to have with a landlord or a condo owner or condo building um, to have access to charging. So it restricts this landlord or um, homeowners association from unreasonably restricting your access to charging. So if it's going to be unsafe or ridiculous, you yeah, they, you have to have a conversation, but um, they can't ghost you. They can't just say no for no reason. It gives each side of the conversation rights to follow, rules to follow, responsibilities. It's clear on both sides. And this isn't something that I made up. Eight states already have this. Florida has this and Illinois doesn't. Um, so this is something that I've been working on on the state level um, as well as on the city level with Alderman Martin. Um, and this is also something that needs to be coupled with EV-ready building codes So the idea that as we're building new uh, buildings, new construction, as well as renovating um, construction as well, mm-hmm. our building could reflect the need for future charging that we know, we know we're going to need as people are getting more and more EVs. That's, that's wonderful. So efforts are underway in Chicago to pass that EV-ready building code. Um, Chicago has an EV-ready building code ordinance. Um, it has buildings with five or more units residentially, has uh, 20% EV-ready spots but um, efforts underway for a right-to-charge ordinance. Karen, are there resources to know where you can charge or if you're living in a charging desert? Websites, Netta mentioned PlugShares 1. ChicagoCleanCities.org also has a similar map. And so you can pop onto it and zoom out, and it actually shows you exactly where all of the different chargers that are public are. So you can see both if you're in an area with many, but also if you're in an area with fewer, you can actually see exactly the app and where you get that free charging. That's awesome. That's Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert and EV advocate Netta DeLemi. Thank you both. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.